where nobody knows your name is not filmed in front of a live studio audience. Hello, and welcome to Where Nobody Knows Your Name, a Cheers podcast. Today we're talking about the 15th episode of season 3, King of the Hill. This episode aired on the 24th of January, 1985. I'm James. And I'm John. What can we say about this episode? It's written by Elliot Shunman. Who hasn't written before? That is correct. Well, I think I think you've got maybe some stronger opinions on this episode than me. But, uh, the cold opening is a safe spot to open into, I think, yeah. maybe. It's quite a fun one. It builds off some ideas which we've seen in the show before, like episodes like Fortune and Men's Way. In that episode, Coach had bought something from a salesman. In this episode, he's done the same. What's he bought this time, James? A convertible port... Well, <laughs> he's bought a convertible. Uh, a convertible pool table. It's the, called the billiard buddy pool table, and it means that he can get so much more fun out of just a simple pool table. It can also be a ping pong table and a salad bar. Yeah, the, the possibilities are limited. But <laughs> I mean, how much for the whole thing? Oh, six hundred bucks, Sam. But the salesman, the salesman said satisfaction guarantee. Or. Now, that would have been a good question. <laughs> $600? Yeah. Hard to believe, isn't it? But that's the cold opening. Coach has bought something, and the hilarity will play out throughout the rest of the episode. However, the main plot of the episode is a bit seedier, maybe? Someone comes in who is the publicist for the Chamber of Commerce charity softball game this Saturday. Mm -hmm. And he's looking to arrange a game between Sam and some Playboy playmates. That's the setup. And of course, that creates a lot of jokes in the bar as to why Sam's doing this. Sam gives his usual lecherous comments of sorts when they're taking publicity photos. There's some like uncomfortable sleaziness in there, for sure. Yeah, quite quickly, I'd say halfway through the episode is that, unsurprisingly, Sam wins the softball game. Mm -hmm. But he gets a lot of stick for this, doesn't he? They give a lot of stick to him because he didn't let the Playboy Playmates win. Mm -hmm. A lot of their comments seem to suggest that he should let them win because they were women. Part of me appreciates that Sam wasn't as concerned with looking at them in a sexual manner, but looking at them as people on an opposite team of a sport mm -hmm. and was more concerned about winning the sports game than he was being with any of the Playboy playmates. I think what, one of the things is, you know, like you can be a, a sore loser, but you can also be a sore winner. Yeah. I think that was like, some of the things were like, he did glory laps around the yeah. thing. That was unnecessary. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> if, he, if he had just won, they would be like, oh, Okay, that, that was a bit boring. Would have been fun if the Playboy Playmates won because they aren't baseball players and that would have been an exciting twist. Is that what their logic was? The likes of any people who watch the game. Because I was, at first, until it was revealed that he did things like glory laps, I was struggling to understand what the problem was with a baseball player winning a softball game. No, I always I always thought it was about him just being a sore winner. So it's about the attitude he yeah. yeah, and uh, I think it was the idea that it was like it was a charity game that was you know, like when it, if, if you've got like uh, when you're playing for fun, but someone's in there just tackling and is over the top competitive. Yeah, I think it's kind of that. Yeah, if you're good at a sport, it's fine. When you're pushing people out of the way or something. 
Mm. So then he, he brought in a competitiveness to it, which is what they explore in this episode, really, a compulsion yes. to win. Yes. And I think that's really the, the, the thing which I focused on most in sort of my watching was the, I suppose it's the latter end of the episode where there's sort of this real sort of dig into Sam's psyche and why yeah. he is so competitive. And you mentioned sort of this uncomfortableness with some of the comments in the episode. And I think that's like, especially in you said that photo shoot scene, but also when they come back from the game, mm-hmm. uh, Cliff and Norm. Yeah. There's a lot of comments there. So, uh, my place or yours? I have a roommate. Yours it is. <laughs> Thing which came to mind is there's this thing which happens quite often in the UK for comic relief mm. and other charity things where people do charity football matches mm. and it's quite often genuine footballers the likes of David Beckham mm. they're probably, usually they're retired um, against people who like football but aren't professional footballers and they're usually British comedians mm. so I think John Bishop and Russell Howard have been some of the footballers but they're playing against David Beckham and things mm. And it's not surprising, David Beckham wins. But the fact that David Beckham just goes, oh, yeah, it's fun. I had a good time. You know, he did. Was it... Uh, it doesn't you, It doesn't go, oh, they're, they're terrible. <laughs> you know? You, you say Baldwin last, uh, played last time, didn't he? He was a captain? Yeah. He's fast, though. He's fast, yeah. But can he play football? I mean, I didn't watch it, so I don't know. But I presume he can. <laughs> But it is in the game where his head and his sort of, I was going to say his priorities priorities switch, yeah. which is his compulsion to win, Yeah. where he disregards everything else, which is what gets explored in the latter half of the episode. I prefer that. And I think Diane says something quite interesting where she says, you prefer to beat them yeah, than bed you, them. You wanted to beat them more than you wanted to bed them. And Sam realises that he has this compulsion to win. But... Either side of that's not a good thing. No. It's either uh, a compulsion to win or a sex addict. Yeah. So either one needs help. Yes. So one more than others, I'd argue. And it is an aspect of relationships. Arguments in any sort of relationships are quite often because they're more concerned with being right than understanding the other person or giving the other person what they want. And this goes along with anyone, any relationship whether it's romantic whether it's familial or whether it's you know on a like politician level have the issue of being more concerned with being right so i thought it was an interesting aspect to develop in sam's character and i was hoping that this is an aspect they develop forward but that he works on being less competitive to be a more well-rounded character moving mm-hmm. forward and i suppose that the, the competitiveness is something which has been there uh, throughout the whole three, three yeah. seasons so far, especially in his relationship with Diane, yeah. the whole thing was about who can get the last word in. Yeah. The whole thing was. And this kind of puts some context and backstory to that. Yes. Should, should we have a look at the um, the cast? Yeah. John Hancock as Lenny. Hancock also appeared in Different Strokes, mm-hmm. Airplane 2, Who's the Boss, Hunter, Family Ties, and L.A. Law, to name just a few there. As we said, there was a publicity shoot, so a reporter came in. That reporter was played by David Paymer. He also appeared in Fame, Taxi, Airplane 2. Airplane 2? Again, yes. Uh, Saint Elsewhere, The Larry Sanders Show, 
and recently played Harry Drake in The Marvelous Miss Maisel. Gina Cole appeared in this episode as Becky, but she was listed as Gina Tomasina. Uh, she has also appeared in St. Elsewhere and a number of ZZ Top music videos. Mm-hmm. She was one of the Playboy playmates. Heidi Sorensen as Ginger. She has also appeared in Fright Night, Spies Like Us, and Roxana, among others. Ola Ray as Andrea, another one of the playmates. Mm-hmm. She has also appeared in 48 Hours, Beverly Hills Cop 2, and you may have recognized her. Airplane 2. No, oh. as a Michael's girl in the music video for Thriller. No, I hadn't. Noticed that. Yeah, she plays Michael Jackson's girlfriend in the thriller music video. Does she turn into a zombie? No, she's scared because Michael turns into a zombie. Ah, so yeah. that they all might turn into zombies. No, that would be. <laughs> there are a lot of zombies in that video. They, they can't move for zombies. I mean, they can. <laughs> That's exactly what they do. Larry Harper returns as Larry. Larry. And Steve Ginelli returns as Steve. We understand how this game works. Got another little tidbit. Mm-hmm. Instead of airing on the 17th of January, 1985, this episode aired on the 24th of January. Yeah. Episode which aired on the 17th was a repeat of season one, episode 16, The Boys in the Bar. Quite old at this point. Two mm. years old. Yeah, two years old, but also a bit of a controversial one. Mm. So, yeah, little tidbit there. Interesting tidbit is the opening shot of this episode shows the John Hancock Tower in the background. Hancock was the first governor of Massachusetts and also the president of Congress when the Declaration of Independence was signed. He also has the same name as one of the same surname as one of the actors in this episode. John Hancock. John Hancock. Which is also a nickname for a signature. Because John Hancock, the governor, which, signed which, it in a really which, flamboyant which way. Which was referenced a couple of episodes back. It's all related. It's all connected. So in this episode, uh, when they come back to the bar and Diane does say that line of you wanted to beat them more than you wanted to bed them, her and Sam have this kind of chat about his psyche and his compulsion to win. And they dig quite deep into it. Sam starts to talk about his childhood. A key moment is his father. Mm. Same moment, a key aspect was his father. And his father would, um, instead of giving praise, always look at the negative side. He was talking about when he was softball in high school. Sam would pitch a two-hitter, and all that his dad would talk about were those two lousy hits. Do you want to know statistically what that what a two-hitter would mean? Yeah, okay. Assuming Sam was the pitcher for the full nine innings, mm-hmm. a two-hitter means that only 2.4% of his pitches were hit, meaning that he had a 97.6% rate. And also, he'd say, if you got a C, he'd say... When you get a B, if you got a B, when you get an A. Diane asks, what if you got an A? And Diane sends us listening, going, come on. And uh, it's quite a nice moment. And he, he, he brings it down into uh, this time when it was, I think it was Father's Day. Yes. He made, it, he made a breakfast for his dad. When I was about six, uh, I made my dad breakfast in bed on Father's Day. I, mean, I, I was really proud of myself. All he could say was, the eggs were too dry and the... And the toast was too light. Sam, I'm feeling a, a closeness to you now that <laughs> compels me to share a core feeling of my own, something which I have yet to make privy to my analyst. 
It happened my 17th summer. Yeah, I swear if I made the toast any darker, you would have said I burned it. I was brimming with the innocence of youth. You know, everybody else in the world would have said, hey, that toast is perfectly fine. Oh, stop with the damn toast tragedy. <laughs> I was surprised that his brother Derek wasn't brought up. Yes, because <laughs> that was quite a big thing. Meanwhile, Derek was the toast master. Yeah, he was uh, perfectly moist. Perfect, Derek. Um, I was surprised that didn't get brought up because that was quite a big deal and that were linked quite heavily into his, his alcoholism, things like yeah. that. And it's interesting you bring up the alcoholism because mm. a lot of his competitiveness in baseball resulted in that. Mm. In that when he felt the pressures and when he felt he was failing himself, he turned to drink. Mm. Then Diane, as she always does, tries to interject with her own personal story, which no one wants to hear. But it's uh, Diane, when I say no one wants to hear, I would love to hear it. When I say no one wants to hear, I mean in the in the show. Yeah, the so characters. The characters don't. No one wants to hear about being a, a ballerina last week or the week before. What's your problem? Well, I'm trying to share something very painful and you keep cutting me off. I was talking about my dad. Well, I was going to tell you about the time I stayed home from the prom. You interrupted my dad's story for that? Well, what more was there? He didn't like your toast. Okay, fine, fine. Tell me all about your little dance story. This doesn't have anything to do with uh, mice and glass slippers, does it? I assure you that the details of my prom story would make your dad's story look like self-pitying tripe. All right, all right, okay. Right now, I'm going to admit that I am a very competitive person. You know something that just occurred to me? You know the reason why our relationship never worked? Because you always had to have the last say. You always had to be on top, and you're still doing it. You know, you are just as competitive as I am. Me? Yeah. yeah. Oh, I'm not competitive. And Sam kind of tries to draw a comparison to how uh, her story isn't as good as his. No. Very, very topical in the competition, um, mm-hmm. and he quite quickly accuses Diane of being very competitive. How do you, how do you solve that, James? How do you solve? Do you have two... a ping pong competition. Ping pong competition. <laughs> <laughs> of course, you're more competitive. You're more competitive, right? Get your ping pong paddle. I'm just saying, it's a good thing that Coach bought that uh, that, <laughs> that billiards buddy to we'll, come we'll, to the table. We'll we'll settle this like adults. <laughs> There was a really weird moment in that montage. Yeah. Cliff had one line in that montage. Mm. Do you know what it was? No. He said, and from that moment on, I've never been afraid of death. <laughs> <laughs> I think it, in the end, it is just Norman Cliff. And, yeah. And there's no one behind the bar. Yeah. I think. And I just went, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> but um, the bar long since closed, and they're still playing ping pong, and neither of them has won. And the games continue. Diane's one point ahead, which means she's on match point. Mm. I think Diane suggests, let's both have a victory and not play anymore. Let's just walk away. And she puts down her paddle and encourages Sam to do the same. And they both do. And as Sam's walking out the door, she picks up the paddle and does it goes, I won! Because <laughs> she's a compulsive winner. Yeah. And Sam, in retaliation, chases her around the ping pong table with a ping pong paddle. And then it dips to black. Yeah. And they hear, ouch! And then he says, that's why they call it a paddle. I, I, was... I don't <laughs> To bring it back a bit, I've got two other shows yep. which I want to compare the ping pong battle to. Okay. That 70s show, season one, episode four, mm-hmm. Battle of the Sexists. Mm-hmm. Already the connection's there. In this episode, Eric, played by Topher Grace, 
is upset his girlfriend Donna keeps beating him at games. So again, there's that sexism mm. aspect there, and also that competitiveness. Mm. This pinpoint battle remind me of that scene. But another one, much more recently, is Atlanta season two, episode four. Have you ever watched Atlanta? I haven't seen it. But it's yeah. it's quite good. In this episode, Helen is the title of the episode. Ern, played by Donald Glover, and Van, mm. played by uh, Zazie Bates, use a ping pong match to determine the future state of their relationship. Ern's disinterest in the hobbies and culture Van pursues, to me, mirrors Sam and Diane in season two of Cheers. That episode of that 70s show was in 1998, and that episode of Atlanta was in 2018. That's the trivia bell, James, and that means trivia time. Your questions are like snacks, so let's fire away. Nom. (laughs) In this episode, Coach purchases the billiard buddy. Can you name some uh, items or some tabletop surfaces that the billiard table can transform into? Pool table? Yep. Ping pong table? Yep. Salad bar? Yep. One more I'm looking for. Not an air hockey table, is it? A hockey table, yeah. Hockey table. Yeah. Hmm. Another question about your billet buddy pool table. How much is it? How much does it What's cost? It $600? $600 we do. Ah, it's steep, isn't it? Maybe we won't get one. No, no. Well, maybe. We'll get it. I reckon you got ripped off. We'll get a PlayStation instead. In this episode, we heard a, a bit of a, a nightmare of Sam's where he cooked some eggs that were too dry and some toast that was too light. But how old was Sam in this scenario? Six. Yeah, he said about six. Poor little baby Malone. Little Sammy. Yeah. Eggs in one hand, toast in another. Neither good. <laughs> what does Norm order upon his entrance? A beer. A trough of beer and a snorkel. He wants a swim. <laughs> no, he wants a... Why, why would you have a snorkel as well as a trough? So in, in this episode as well, Norm uh, talks about his, his mother-in-law's come around to stay. Mm-hmm. And she wants to see the sights. She loves American history. Where does um, Diane suggest Norm takes her? I know he leaves her in the car. Mm-hmm. Is that correct? He does, yeah. But she suggests a historical site, which would be worth viewing. The mound? It's at Bunker Hill. Bunker Hill. Which I think actually fits quite well in this episode. It's a, where victory took place, the Battle of Bunker Hill, I think where the British won. It's known as a Pyrrhic victory, which is a victory where you've won, but you've lost more than was worth winning. Right. Which I think in this episode is quite poignant, especially with Sam, who's took part in this game, but sort of come out the other side with a victory, but really he's sort Mm -hmm. of lost more than he went in with. Like a hollow victory. A hollow victory, yeah. So I thought it was quite an interesting, subtle detail, uh, sort of weaving into the scripts. Mm. Um, of that historical battle. Is that why it's called King of the Hill? Because I assume with the English mm. it was a royal, like a member of royalty, mm. presumably a king. So is Sam the eponymous King of the Hill? Uh, but in baseball, is the, the stump also known as like the hill? Uh, the mound. The mound. Yes. Which I mean, is it a, is a little bit of earth, so it's a very tiny hill. It's a very hill. tiny hill. So, <laughs> 10 out of 10 on the title. Yeah. I love this title. <laughs> One of the best titles so far. <laughs> wow. Uh, Who Done It was a good title. I don't, don't get me wrong. <laughs> I liked Who Done It a couple of weeks back. The title was great. 
episode there. But King of the Hill, I really liked it, and I think those subtle references to history. It's a very smart title. Mm. Very clever. King of the Mount. What car does Norn drive that he left his mother-in-law in after her flight from her home state? Oh, what car? It's quite a boring, well, I'd say it's quite a boring car. It's not a pun, it's not a punny car. His car is a blue Honda Civic. But got towed away along with his mother-in-law. They'll never see Bunker Hill. (laughs) (laughs) But it does mean he's got time for another pint. Yeah. And I guess that brings us in with our final pint into The Last Calls of the Bar. So what do you think, James, of King of the Hill? A very interesting episode. Mm. There was a lot to digest and uh, discuss. Um, As I say, I particularly was interested in that aspect of competition Mm. between romantic partners and how that's been portrayed over different decades. Mm. Quite a divisive episode. There's a lot to unpick in it. And I think there's definitely uncomfortable moments in there, potentially the ending, as well as some of the bits in between. As discussed, it was very much sort of a, a hollow victory, the whole thing. Diane's hollow victory at the end, as well as Sam's hollow victory of the whole episode. Yeah. One thing we know is your eggs can be too dry and your toast can be too light. But here at Where Nobody Knows Your Name, you get a pint either way. I think what we can add is that although Sam nearly pitched a perfect game, you always get a perfect picture of beer here at Where Nobody Knows Your Name. Thank you for listening to Where Nobody Knows Your Name. This has been a Cheers podcast. Until next time, goodbye. Goodbye.